The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Why don't you all stand up on your feet, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation. Let's get in the Word. Revelation chapter 12. So do I have to stand up? No, you don't. We just stand up in honor of the word. If you're not able to stand up, then just stand up on the inside. And if you're opposed to that, you have rebellion and then you need help. All right. So praise the Lord. (laughs) Come on. I'm just kidding. It's okay to have fun in church. I'm sort of half joking. Praise the Lord. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. Special message this morning. You all there? Revelation 12, verse 7. And the war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor is a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast in the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto the death. We're going to read verse 11 all together on the count of three. One, two, three. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he has a short time. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've done, Lord, in this service already. Wonderful time of worship, people being healed, and touched time of prayer and the offering. God, thank you. Now in the moments that remain in this second service this morning, come and speak to all of our hearts that we take notes with pen and paper. We would, to God, that you would write on the fleshly tablets of our heart, that you would mark us forever, even with the revelation of your word. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, and all of God's precious saints said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In a bygone era, if you've raised in church, you would hear songs about the blood of Jesus every single service. Oh, the blood of Jesus. There's power, power, wonder-working power. How many of you know the one? There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. How many of you like that one? Yeah. I mean, remember that. But now, if you look at songs being written, many uh, don't have anything about the blood. And it's crucial to understand about the blood of Jesus. I'm going to preach a message to you entitled, Overcoming by the Blood of the Lamb. Overcoming by the Blood of the Lamb. There is nothing that you will face all the days of your life that you can overcome if you get a hold. Of what I preach and teach to you this morning. My mother used to pray for me prior to me giving my heart to the Lord. And I'm thankful that she still prays. She prayed for me for many years. And she would always pray that prayer that many mothers here know. I plead the blood of Jesus over my son. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. How many of you ever heard that? I plead the blood. What on earth does that mean? We're going to talk about that. This morning, we're in a war. Everybody say we're at war. You're like, no, duh. ISIS, Afghanistan. Yeah, we're at a war. I'm not talking about that war. That's certainly true. We are in a war. But you're in a war. If you look at this text, we see as believers that we're, we're in a war. Spiritual warfare was, is not passe. It was a big deal in the 90s. Now, as we're in this new millennium, 
It's really not taught or preached all that much. But we are definitely in a war. And it's crucial that we understand that. And it's good to know, as our text told us, that uh, there's really victory for us. Describe Satan. Satan is described as a, as a formidable adversary. If you look in the first verses of Revelation 12, in fact, let me, let me step off and away from our notes. Now, if you don't have notes, go ahead, lift your hand. They'll bring that to you if you don't have a copy of the notes. Look at Revelation 12 and verse uh, 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet. And on her head a garland of 12 stars. It could represent many different things. But prophetically, I believe it represents the church, uh, even right now. Woman clothed with the sun, that's a picture of God's radiance, a picture of God's glory. I believe we're entering into the greatest days that the church has ever, has ever seen. I don't mean our little church on the corner, or even all of our extensions. I mean the body of Christ. And it says a garland of 12 stars on her head, the moon under her feet. It's a picture of uh, having authority in the heavenlies. The 12 stars, a garland of 12 stars, 12 is a number of government. 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles. And it's a picture of apostolic authority. And I believe that we're entering into that even as never before. It goes on to say in in the description of uh, this formidable adversary... There's this enormous red dragon that comes and is seeking to devour this, this child that the, the woman is with. And has seven heads, seven crowns, and ten horns. It's a picture of vast political power. And he took one-third of the angelic host with him. It's one-third of innumerable. How many is that? I don't know. You can't number them. <laughs> There's so many, it's innumerable. And he's called Satan. That is the accuser, the devil, which is translated slanderer. And he deceives the whole world here in Revelation. It says he deceives the whole world. Wow. More than that, he not only deceives the world, he's mightily ticked off. Furious for your notes. He's furious. Well, how do we handle in this war, how do we handle this mighty foe? How do we handle this red dragon, the serpent of old? How do we handle this one who has been cast out of heaven, is here in the earth? How do we handle him? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked. I got good news this morning. Somebody say, praise God. Praise God. Good, the good news is he's a defeated foe. He's a defeated foe. Satan is a defeated foe. He's thrown out of heaven as we see in the text. And he's defeated on earth because God's power has come to the earth. Now verse 10. Look at verse 10. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation. Everybody say now. Now Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. What is that all about? There's an article before all of those, and it's really talking about specific things that that Jesus has given us, and it's really tremendous what Christ has released. He, he's, the, the, the devil's been defeated in the earth because God's power has come to the earth. So what, what has, how has God's power come? God's power has come through his son, Jesus. And his death, his resurrection releases to us salvation, releases to us so much salvation to the world for all who believe, the power of the spirit at work, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is, is really present, really through the church, not fully present. But we believe that God's kingdom is here at hand. This is what Jesus taught. Jesus taught this. Is, is tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? It's near. It's here. Wherever the king is, so is the kingdom. So let me ask you this question. Because you're looking at me with a religious tone of voice. Let me ask you. Is Jesus live on the inside of your heart? Now, if he does, then the kingdom of God is within you, with Jesus said. Right? Is that correct? Now, where two or three are gathered in his name, there he, there he is. He's present. 
Correct? So where the king is, so is his kingdom. Is that true? That's right. But we, we forget that. And we walk around anemic. We walk around lethargic. And not really understanding and ignorance or that God has given us all of these things. He's given us authority. Literally, Satan has been defeated in heaven and he's defeated in the earth because of what Jesus has done on the cross. So, well, if that's true, then why do we have so many problems, Pastor? Well, you need to enforce his defeat. Come on, we have laws and we have police officers. They They enforce the law, correct? All right. So does that mean that people don't break the law? They break it all the time. But when you stand in the place of understanding what Jesus has released, then you can see the power of God come forth and the kingdom of darkness even removed. And as a result of that, Christ and his followers on the earth who continue to walk in victory. I mean, we, that, that, that's what we have. We've got victory. And we're overcomers. Come on, say, I'm an overcomer. You don't even hear that too often. There's a wonderful book uh, written by D.L. Moody called The Overcomer. It's written in old, really old English. And, but it, it's true that we, we, we're overcome. You, you look at the book of Revelation, how he's written this, the seven letters in the book of Revelation. To him who overcomes, I say. To him who overcomes, I say. To him who... It's assumed that we overcome. We're going... We're overcomers. Why? Because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Now listen, it's just like World War II. Let me give you the illustration. How many of you know about World War II? There's D-Day and there's V-Day. How many of you know what D-Day was? D-Day was when we really won the war. However, more lives were lost between D-Day and when the, actual, when, the, when the peace treaty finally came forward on V-Day. More lives lost between D-Day and V-Day. Jesus is already, has already defeated the devil. But for those who don't know it, don't understand it, don't understand that they can overcome by the power of the blood of the Lamb, then they won't walk in victory. Understanding the concept of the blood in Scripture. Let me just take you on a little journey. Understanding the concept of the blood in Scripture. If you look at Genesis chapter 9 and verse 4, you'll see now this is the context. Is Noah has just survived the flood and, and God has made a covenant with him and he seals it with the rainbow. And it's, it's, uh, it's not shocking to me that there are those who tried to hijack the rainbow and make it represent their, their little front. It's really a covenant sign from the heaven, from God, that he'll never flood the earth again. Come on, tell me if you're thankful he'll never flood the earth again. Yeah, he's going to set it on fire next time. There'll be no flood, though. <laughs> Genesis 4, they've, Noah has just survived with his family. Genesis 9-4. Genesis 9-4. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. The blood is God-given life, and it represents that. And you'll see throughout the Old Testament and on into the New. Even in the New Testament, the, when, they, when they met, they talked about the Gentile church, and they said, okay, we'll receive them. The only thing is, you cannot eat the blood. So, so the, basically, they wiped out circumcision. You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to do all this, although there were some that said that you did. They said, okay, the Gentiles can be part of the church. This is amazing. But we must insist that they not eat the blood. Now, we've lived in Hawaii for years, and maybe in your own culture, they eat a thing called blood sausage. Did you know you should not eat blood sausage as if you're a believer? Because the life, there's God-given life in the blood. And the reason why is, look at Leviticus now. Leviticus 17. If we have the ability to put that scripture up, go ahead and do it. Leviticus 17, verse 11 and 12. Reads, for the life of the creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Therefore, I say to the Israelites, none of you may eat blood, nor an alien living among you may eat the blood. Why? Because it it's contains the life. The God-giving life is in the blood. You know, it's fascinating. Now, I don't know that this is true, but I've read it in a number of different places, and I need to go and study it out. But by his stripes, we are healed. How many lashes did Jesus take? 39. 40 is generally death. So he took 40 minus 139 lashes. 
It is said that there are 39 root diseases all in the blood that cause all the all disease, 39, which is fascinating. And I, like I said, I need to go study that out. I wouldn't be surprised if it is true. So we understand why God said to Noah in this, this new world, this covenant that God makes with him, don't eat the blood. The blood itself is saying that God brings life. Can you say amen? amen? The Old Testament understanding of blood is tied to sacrifice. It's tied to the sacrifice. There's a whole sacrificial system. And, and the Day of Atonement and so on and so forth. Let's, let's look at your notes. Tied to sacrifice. See, they understood holiness. I don't think we understand holiness. They understood what holiness really was. And they knew that there's no way that you can actually... That's why they're so freaked out when, when Paul would say, Abba. Paul, when Paul said, Abba, Father, you had to know that it just absolutely freaked out the Jews that would hear him. But he understood that he was grafted in and he could call him his Papa. Such intimacy like that. You see, in, the, in, in their mind, and their understanding, it is impossible to get close to God because he's, because he's holy. But on the Day of Atonement, the blood was a ransom. A ransom was paid. Look at your notes. It made atonement or a ransom because of the blood. And one day out of the year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat for his, for his sins and the sins of the people and to atone for or to cover over their sin. And it cleanses and makes one holy. Leviticus 8 verse 15. I, I'm trying to help you. See, that if you don't understand from the Old Testament moving into the New, then you'll just be ignorant to really the power of the blood of Jesus. If you don't understand the blood, then you won't understand the authority and how you're able to overcome the ugly one. How you're able to overcome Satan. It's the blood. It's the blood of Jesus. It's not preached too frequently, but it's crucial to you and I walking and enforcing the defeat that he brought upon Satan on the cross. Can you say amen? amen. Leviticus 8 verse 15, Moses slaughtered the bull and took some of the blood with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar to purify the altar. He poured out the rest of the blood on the base of the altar. So he consecrated it and made atonement for it. Wow. Moses sprinkled blood on the people of Mount Sinai. Over and over and over you see blood bringing cleansing, bringing atonement when it's used in the sacrificial system. I mean, the, 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 look, the temple was a slaughterhouse. It, I mean, you got to know the amount. Of, you know, one of the amazing things about the temple, what there is never a fly. There was never a fly on the temple mount. Has anybody here butchered a moose? Has any, anybody here ever quartered up any kind of animal or done anything like that? I'm going to tell you, buddy, the first thing you got is flies coming. Am I right? Not one fly, not one ever recorded to be on the Temple Mount. You know, another miracle of the temple is that the incense burns straight up. I have a fireplace at my house. I'm going to tell you, the smoke doesn't always go straight up. Because... Prayers were mixed with the incense, went straight. It was just the supernatural signs and wonders. You can read about stuff like that in Josephus, and it's just amazing. It's all types and shadows and the blood. Come on, somebody say the blood. It's no wonder that we have a whole culture that's just torqued on, on vampires and all of that. It's just perverted. It makes propitiation. It's uh, propitiation is to avert wrath. Now turn to Hebrews 9. And hold on to your seat. <laughs> Hebrews 9. Somebody's getting some help today. You came to get something out of the Reader's Digest. Wrong church. <laughs> Amen. Giving you the word of God. Amen. In fact, if somebody's teaching and preaching from the Reader's Digest, that might not be a church at all. <laughs> we love the body of Christ. Amen. Hebrews 9 verse 12. Talking of Jesus, he did not enter by the means of the blood of goats and calves. But he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled 
the unclean sanctifies for purifying of the flesh. Verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? My, my, my. Because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away your sin. And it's impossible for you to earn it. It's impossible for you to, if you gave all that you have, it still wouldn't atone for your sin. It still wouldn't wipe out your sin. Your sin would remain. If you offered your body to the flames, your sin would remain. No matter what you did, in an effort to try to earn God's forgiveness, it won't work. There is only one thing. You can't offer the blood of bulls and goats anymore. That's been a done, done away with. That's the old covenant. There's a, there's a new covenant. There's a, there's a new thing in town over 2,000 years now. But God's one and only son died on the cross for your sin, for mine. He shed his spotless blood, his sinless blood. So we're cleansed by Christ's blood and we're forgiven and ransomed. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. We have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Hebrews 9 and verse 22. The fact the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. For without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. And we've been made holy because of the blood of Jesus. Come on somebody say it. I'm holy. Yeah you're holy if you've received him. If you've repented and his blood is over you, covering you because of your repentance, because of your, you've believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you're covered. But if you haven't, you're not. And he is our propitiation. Romans 3, 25, the book of Romans, causing more revivals than any other book in all of scripture. God presented him, Romans 3, 25, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Romans 5, 9. Since we've now been justified by his blood. Justified just as if I never sinned. Right. Do, are you, do you mean to tell me, Pastor Daniel, that, that if, I, if I ask Jesus into my life, that even though I may have murdered somebody, even though I've been living in sin and fornicating and adultery and doing all kinds of stuff like that, that if I really give my heart to Jesus, are you telling me that all of my sin is forgiven? Yes! It's exactly what I'm telling you. I'm telling you exactly that you can be made new. You can be born again. You can have your sins washed away. He can take away all of the stain of sin. Can somebody say yes? Yes! I mean, that's why it's called good news. I mean, that's good news. All right. How to overcome by the blood. It's the first component of this rubric, if you will, or framework of how to walk in victory over the devil. They overcame him. It's like reading the newspaper after the big game. And they were able to win because... Blank and blank, blank, blank. It tells the recipe of what the quarterback and the coach and how they all worked it together. It tells us how we have victory over the ugly one. How to overcome. Realize, first of all, realize our position as an overcomer is a gift. So walk humbly. <laughs> I, have, uh, I have been around some folks that they just think that... You know what I mean? That they don't stink. You know what I'm saying? I've been around some people that are just so arrogant and so cocky and so, so full of themselves in Christ that they really get themselves in danger. And I, and, I've, and I can tell you many, many stories. I'll just tell you one. Back in our 
our youth and our younger days at the first church that we pastored years ago on Molokai. It was, Molokai was, uh, it was really a very demonized place. They've, we've had a major breakthrough there. I turned the church over and we raised up Pastor Robert Sahagun, who is probably going to be here with us in February. And uh, he's taken that place and had tremendous breakthrough. I mean, they're just having revival on that island. It's amazing. And when we were there, we were... Um, I think we were the fifth pastor that was there since the start of that church. And I was frankly a little nervous because we heard about a spirit of death and, and the pastors before us, many of their kids were wiped out from being there. And there was all kinds of stories of slithering, demonized people and things flying across the room and all kinds of creep show stories that you'd like reading a book. So when my wife and I were called there and we were definitely called, otherwise we would have stayed home. But God spoke to it. We didn't want to go. You know what I mean? When God said, you're going I'm like, OK, Lord. So, I mean, when we got there, my wife and I pulled out every 45 Magnum in the spirit that we had. We blew holes in anything. I mean, I wrote newspaper articles. I mean, we were dearly loved and dearly hated. We were the only white people in the church. Everybody else was was, uh, another race, and there was prejudice there. I mean, we went through some stuff. And I remember one of the first sermons that I preached. It was a Sunday night, and I preached on revival, and I talked about uh, really taking the island for Christ. All there's more homosexuals there in the past. I don't know how it is now, but there's more homosexuals there per capita than anywhere else in the Hawaiian Islands. And they all drive the school buses with big flowers in their hair. It's the creepiest thing you've ever seen. They cross dress and it's just, we're talking an island of 7,000 people. We're not talking some big city. And, and look, we love gay, we love people that are struggling with homosexuality and sexual confusion. It's sin. That's all it is. And, and so, you know, we're against same-sex marriage. <laughs> Duh. So is God. It's in the Bible. Amen. We stand on that and not afraid to say it. But we were there and we were believing for this great outpouring. And I got to talking with some of the men after the service. And I started talking about all that I was going to do. Man, I'm going to kick some devil butt. I just come all the way. Just go. I, when I was just started getting full of myself, I was just a little, you know, wet behind the ears and maybe dumb as a box of rocks. I started mouthing off about all that I was going to do with my wife and how the anointing, you know, I get prideful, right? And in the middle of my speech about how great I was, and I'm emphasizing that a little bit to make my point, I felt the presence and the covering of God come off of me. And it was kind of like, I felt the words were coming out of my mouth. And I just kind of stopped like, ah. I mean, I just felt like somebody just stripped me. And I was standing there naked as a jaybird before a whole bunch of people. You know, that'd be a horrible thing. Amen. That's the way I felt in the spirit. I was like, ah. And people are talking. And at that exact moment, my wife was home. She had an encounter with God where she saw a red dragon turn and look at us. And she began to intercede. And I realized that in my, I, I, I. I realized in my arrogance, I stepped out of the covering of God. Look, just because he's shed his blood and just because your sin is forgiven, you still walk in humility and grace before him. It's his power that keeps you. Your heart is beating within your chest because God is allowing it. And you know, when you get, you, you, you can get filled with fire and power so much so that you can lose it. Now, I love that what Minister Tim said years ago. He said, you've got to understand that you rock humbly. You are humbly awesome. Come on, somebody say, I'm humbly awesome. It's false humility to say, no, I'm just nothing. I'm a worm. That's what I'm. Are you kidding me? I mean, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He's given you his word. He's given you the same spirit. I mean, you're not a worm. You're, come on, you're a new creation in Christ. Can you say amen? You're not a worm. You're not a dirt bag. You got to understand who you are because if you don't, you have identity theft from the enemy and you don't know who you are. Then you'll never move in confidence and you'll walk around just with your head, you know, in a dark place all of your life. But at the same time, after he pulls your head out of the dark place and you're walking in freedom, you got to do it with humility and understand he's the one that allowed you to be able to see. Does that make sense? Oh, how to overcome. Recognize your position as an overcomer. He's in you. You're in him. And our strength lies in that understanding. And don't fall into the same trap as Lucifer did. Secondly, we're to live holy and not give place to the devil. You've got to stay clean. Don't get involved in all sorts of mess. 
That's why one of the reasons I got to get after the grace thing, because some people think, well, I'm just forgiven now, so I can just go smoke crack, and it's all good. Oh, you know, you can't smoke crack, son. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't go back. Some of you are like, oh, shoot. <laughs> you can't go back to your old life. Right. So, so, so you've been forgiven now, so now you can just, you know, you go cheat on your wife, or you can go, you know, sleep with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. You can just do whatever you want. No. No, 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 you can't. That's a faulty understanding of grace. And we'll get to that here next week. But you have to live holy. Come on, somebody say we can live holy. You can live holy and not give place to the devil. Now, turn to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So now let me ask you, if you're purified from all unrighteousness, what would that make you? Righteous. It would make you holy. Exactly. Same thing. If you're purified from all unrighteousness, then you are. Okay. Let me, let, let's just, you know, maybe, maybe you've not heard anything that I've said. So I'm going to help you. Let's all repent. All right. Let's repent right now. And I'll illustrate it. Come on. Truly. Put your phone away. Stop texting Bubba. You ready? All right, let's all repent. Lord, forgive us. Come on, just repent. Lord, forgive us for where we've fallen short. Wrong thoughts, attitudes. God, we're sorry. Lord, your blood, you died for us. You died for that very thing. Lord, forgive us right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, listen. You haven't sinned yet. I don't think you sinned yet. Did you sin yet? Look at me. Look, look, look. Look. Everybody paying attention? Okay, you're holy right now. I don't know what you're going to do in the next few seconds. But right now, you're holy. Positionally, you're holy. There's an imparted holiness that you live out in your life. I got your attention. Somebody woke up. You can live holy. Don't give place to the devil. When you come before him, you've got to examine your heart. This is important. 1 John 1, 7, turn there. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. It's an ongoing work of cleansing and purifying. And that's what the church is all about. It's important to have a church. What do you mean it's important to have a church? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because it would be everybody here if you're being honest. You've heard somebody say, I I love the Lord. I just don't go to church. I don't like organized religion. Listen, if you don't like church, if 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 you're not a part of a fellowship church, there's something wrong with your salvation. You say, really? Yes. According to that scripture, let's, let's look at it for a second. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. In other words, if you don't have fellowship... You have a light problem. Okay, let me read it one more time. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. In other words, the fellowship that you have with somebody is based upon walking in the light. And there's this ongoing cleansing. And the, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Some say, I don't need church. You absolutely need church. He says, I don't want to go to church. Bunch of hypocrites. Well, where else do you think they should go? I mean, maybe I I praise God for hypocrites in the church. What are you talking about? Where else are you going to hear something that convicts them and gets them really living for God? Hypocrite, the root of hypocrite is is really the the root word for actor. They're acting. Ah, A bunch of actors in the church. Do we have hypocrites in the church? I'm sure we have them here. If you're a hypocrite, just raise your hand. No, I'm I'm just teasing. Yeah. People should go to church that are hypocrites. Why? So they can get set free from their double-mindedness. So that they can get set free from living one foot in the world and having an insignificant walk with Jesus and just being a religious person. Praise God. Somebody say, "Ah, I'm not going to go to that church. I'm looking for the perfect church. You'll never find it. And if you do, don't go because you'll ruin it. Amen. That's the way that is. Because we're all fallen. Now, unhealthy leadership at the top, well, that's, that's dangerous, and you need to discern that. That's, you need to be careful of that. That is not a problem we have here. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 20. Verse 26, pardon me. We're to live holy and not give place to the devil. Oh, this is a scripture. In your anger, don't sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a a stronghold or a a foothold. Pardon me. The word in the Greek is topos. It's uh, 
Have you ever seen those climbing movies where they have a base camp? You know, and from the base camp, they, they then summit from their base camp. That's what that word means. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil a, a base camp in your life. Some of you have numerous base camps from which the devil has launched operations against you. In your anger, don't let the sun go down in your wrath, which means you can be angry here in Alaska for about three hours <laughs> at this time of the year. In the summer, it's a little bit longer. That's if you take the little, literal interpretation. But the, the, the truth is, I think Jesus is talking about having a time frame, a limit on how long you're angry. In our home, we, we do stand on the sun going down. I mean, by the time you're going to bed, if you've had a challenging time, or you're angry over something, it's time to let it go. There's, there's, it's just time to let it go. And I've had, I've had a supernatural experiences where I've just been angry and been angry at my wife and lying on the couch. And going, I'm not going to repent. I'm always the first one to repent. I'm not going to repent. And all the men said, amen. amen. So, <laughs> like, you know, that's right. Come on, what's up? What's up? <laughs> As I was lying there, it was like all four walls. <laughs> I'm not even looking at my wife. I'm going to go here. <laughs> it's like all, all four walls just came up like a garage door. And I saw like a demonic horde heading towards my house with my little baby. And, and I thought, oh, I'm going to repent. Lord, forgive me. Oh, God, Lord. And, you know, and I and discovered I was usually wrong anyway. <laughs> you know, men are partially brain damaged. You all know that, right? There's a, there's a wash that goes over them while they're in utero that cause their, cause their neurons to be a little slower, which is great for when we charge hell with a water pistol when we're at battle when we're, we're, in, we're in situations where there's danger we're not hiding screaming holding our skirts we're charging amen not afraid to take a punch or take a shot you know it's a good thing for war not such a good thing when you're you know in marriage you know what I'm talking about you're gonna, you're gonna pray for your husband come on somebody say praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <laughs> thirdly what does it mean to plead the blood what does that mean? Pleading the blood means this, and as the worship team's coming. <laughs> pleading the blood means this. It's right there in your notes. It's taking a stand legally in God's court against the accuser and declaring what Christ's blood has done for you. That's what it means to plead the blood. It's a wonderful thing to know your rights. It's a wonderful thing to know your authority. I remember a number of many years ago, Molokai, we had a man that was speaking and it was in the early days of, like, like I said, ministry and I understand now you tell a guest, you give a guest a time frame of how long he's supposed to speak because sometimes some guests, well, I think maybe they like to hear the sound of their voice or something so they'll do an A to Z out of the book of Ruth. And it's 40 to 50 minutes and they're on D. And you're like, Lord, you know? And by the time they get to, to F, you know, it's an hour and 15 minutes and Z is gonna be three hours. And I, I don't mind having a three hour service if the fire of God's all over the place. But if it's just, you know, something that's unanointed and whatever, so it's kind of before I knew to give a little time frame. And uh, this guy went on and on and I, he's a, he was a friend of ours, a good man. He went on and on. And there was a lady that came to, to receive a prophetic word from him. This man flowed in the gift of prophecy in a great way. And uh, she yelled out after about an hour and a half, I want my prophetic word. <laughs> I thought, oh, God, Jesus help us. And she had this, you know, she, she limped a little bit. She had this stick. And uh, the stick was in her lap, you know. And after two hours, she done lost her mind. Now, we had a huge conference taking place, so all of my leaders, all of my ushers, ever, there was nobody there but me and one other, one other man that, that came back with me to run the church from the conference, and the conference was on another island. So after two hours, she stands up and rushes the pulpit with her stick. And she caught that thing back 
was just going to bust his head like a melon. I was in a full sprint from the back of the, the stories I could tell you about things that have happened in church. I was in a full sprint from the back of the church. The, 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 the guest was just standing there and he was going to take it. You know what I mean? He was just going to take it, take a shot. I caught the stick here before it hit him. That lady started freaking out and we had to minister to her in an unusual way, which is to basically take her and bring her roughshod right out the back doors as she's screaming and yelling. And I said, just keep on with the service. And she's all, take your hands off of me. And we took her outside, brought her out into the parking lot. She begins to manifest a devil. And she's screaming and cursing at me. And I, I said, do you want to be set free or not? And she keeps cursing. I said, give me a yes or a no. She keeps cursing. I said, woman, yes or no? That's the only thing I want to hear. Yes, you want to be free or no? Answer the question. She said, no. I said, then get off my property right now. She said, this is the church property. I said, yeah, and it belongs to me. Get out of here. Watch this. 911. Watch that. Watch that. What? Yeah. Yeah, because I knew I had authority. Now you say, well, that's not very pastoral. Are you kidding me? It's very pastoral. I've got another side y'all don't get to see unless a wolf shows up. Amen. Then we'll be sure to fix it, neuter it, and send it on its way. Amen. Praise God. Try to get it saved first. Try to get the wolf saved first. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. You've got to know your authority. I lost you all on the neutering of the wolf. I lost you right there tonight. Stand up on your feet. Satan's a squatter. That's the final note. Satan is a squatter and he needs to be forcefully evicted. The blood of the lamb. We overcome by the blood of the lamb. Look at this. I'm almost done. They overcame him, talking of Satan, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. The what? The word of their testimony. When you share what God has done for you, it breaks the back of the enemy. It is a weapon. You need to use it. Interesting that it says the word. Not that you just have one and you know it. It's you have one, you know it, and you share it. You speak it. You declare it. The word of their testimony. And lastly, and they love their lives not so much as to shrink back from death. Meaning, if you're just in it for your own comfort, you will never fulfill what God called you to do. And there are times when your own self-preservation wants to kick in and you just want to retreat. There's just nothing to retreat to. Move forward and see the power of God. You can overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Can you say amen? Come on, say it. Make it personal. I can overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Say it again. I can overcome by the blood of the Lamb. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, you're online or you're here in the congregation. I want to give you an opportunity to get right with Him today. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do not leave this place without receiving him repenting of your sin. If that's you, he said, that's me, Pastor. You want to be included in this prayer. You say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to God. I want heaven to be my home. I want his blood to cover over my sin. I want that new life you're talking about. If that's you, slip your hand up right now. Do it right now. You want to get right with God. Lift your hand. God bless you. Thank you, son. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? Praise God. Pray this with me right out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. And come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Come on, just lift your hands as a sign of surrender. Holy Spirit, touch your people right now. Break every bondage. Break every curse. Release your power. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing that. One song. Ready? Go. There is a fountain you know this hymn come on lift your voice
Your voices wash all my sins away, and there may I, though vile as he wash all my sins away. Hallelujah. There's nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. And so when you plead the blood of Jesus, you stand in a place legally and say, you can go no further for I am pleading the blood. He's over my sin and you have no rights in Jesus' name. You do that over sickness, over infirmity, over disease, over your loved ones. You take it as a point of prayer. It's a revelation to some of you. Come on, I just want to sing it again. Come on with all that we have. Your voice up. Wash my sins away. Wash my sins
someone by the hand don't miss tonight gonna have a powerful service tonight and again Wednesday at seven o'clock some of you have not had the opportunity of meeting my pastor you need to meet him he's a tremendous man of God my spiritual father he's gonna be here seven o'clock five o'clock we're gonna dedicate our church property rededicate let's close father thank you for what you've done thank you for what you're doing and this wonderful family of believers Lord, make us ever mindful of the power of your blood, your wonder-working power, and the authority we have because of what you've done. We give you praise. Now bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight or Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.